what we had was more important than what we were fighting about. Yeah. Yeah. So is it just simply that what they have isn't worthy anymore? And COVID, I guess, has enlightened that because they've been forced into this situation where they only can see each other. Love Conquers is a relationships podcast by Matt and Kaz Page. Love can help us overcome a lot, but can't conquer all. You've got to own your worth. A bit of content warning. If listening to us talk about topics like mental health, suicide, domestic violence and trauma is likely to be confronting or triggering for you, it's best you skip our show. Today's episode, we want to frame it based on a recent Guardian article published on the 30th of July, 2023, which states that while life has largely returned to normal since the pandemic, many relationships have not. Um, Phones are ringing off the hook at couple helplines, leaving some experts worried lockdowns have had a permanent impact. Relationships Australia, Queensland, says without the pressure relief valve of regular external activities, stress built up inside many relationships until they burst at the seams, stating you didn't have the workplace relationships or your hobbies and friends to go to to have those kinds of conversations. Everything focused in on one place. It's leaving some experts wondering if the pandemic has had a a permanent negative impact on Australia's love life. I really, I have to question that because... I know the pandemic was horrific for so many people, so I'm really not trying to take away from their pain in regards to that because there's so many elements where the pandemic was just horrific, right? And I get that. But for you and I, we had the best time in lockdown. We were literally just locked in our bubble with you, me and the kids and because I like hanging out with you, it just intensified the fun. It just... I, I like hanging out with you every day. So to me, having to go to work, having to go do things that don't include you, you know, I, I have girlfriends and I will go off and do things and all the rest of it and that's lovely. But if I had to, if I had to choose between the rest of my life only ever seeing you and my children versus being able to go and have those things that you just said in that article to be able to escape to and all the yeah. rest of it, I'd choose you every time. So are they just excuses for why people well, maybe. are breaking up? Like maybe. is it just that the relationship has run its course and it came to a head because all of a sudden they were forced to have to be together all the time and they didn't realise it had already come to the head? Yeah. Or are, they, are people just not really putting the effort into relationships anymore? Yeah, well, and I guess there's, there's the option there that I don't think necessarily that in our earlier days too, that we were necessarily confiding in each other or addressing the issues to each other. We were sort of probably either burying it down till it blew up mm-hmm. and then or, you know, you discuss it with friends or something like that. I don't really have any friends, so I discuss <laughs> it with anybody. Um, but I think too, historically, that would have been the way. It was uh, when you get to a point, I guess, where you can feel, I guess, comfortable enough in that sort of st- you know, discussion level, that level of intimacy of a discussion. And I guess being locked up 
together forced people into a level of frankness that they probably weren't ready for maybe? If you determine that the other person is worth it or it's a relationship that you want to be in, you know, we're still here together. When we first started, we were both pretty young and naive and I'd been through hell and didn't trust really well and you hadn't been through a lot of relationships to really form opinions either way, so you were flying blind. Um, But we kept coming back to the table. We, Mm. We determined that what we had was more important than the hurdles we were facing. Yep. Even though we didn't know at the time that that's how we were processing it, even yes. in the early days, we still kept fighting for what we had, yep. even even each other sometimes, to the detriment to us. But we still got through because what we had was more important than what we were fighting about. Yeah. Yep. So is it just simply that what they have isn't worthy anymore? And how does COVID, I guess, has enlightened that because they've been forced into this situation where they only can see each other? Yeah. Maybe we need to have COVID more often. Like, not COVID. I take that back 100%. But maybe we need to have herpes. Okay, good. (laughs) I don't think herpes actually forces us to have to live together in the same house and not get. All right. No, I'm back to COVID. Okay. (laughs) Lockdowns. Yeah, (laughs) lockdowns. Just lockdowns for no apparent reason other than do a health check on your relationship. You know, maybe maybe we could write to the government and say, hey, listen, every 12 months or so, can you just give us a month's lockdown and just force the country to do a a relationship health check? (laughs) Yeah, I think think largely what it is, there's probably a big, like there's a patch there where it was, the company was already too far down the drain to be able to pull it back from the wall if it makes sense. So the the relationship was actually probably circling the drain and all these other little mechanisms were keeping it afloat kind of thing. Like so that because they got to go out with their friends and and burn off some energy and then forget about whatever was actually concerning about the other person and then they come back and then they're back into it, same old routine for the week because but you don't sort of question it because you've also got work and kids and everything else. So... When you're confronted with that with no distractions and you've got nothing to do but work on yourself, I think what happens to people there is that they turn to, I don't want to be wrong and it's everybody else's fault. And so then you've got two things going on. You've got here's a here's a issue that we've not addressed before it took over everything and then now we're putting ourselves into a situation where we don't have any choice but to look at that person or we can't avoid that person. And so now we've got to try and address it and hence the reason why, you know, there's all those statements and ads about, you know, spousal abuse or public or domestic violence and things like that because suddenly, I don't know, people were really worried that men were caught inside and they were going to start bashing everybody. Domestic <laughs> violence in this country is a pretty serious thing. Like it's right up there. I, I, I don't think... I don't think COVID helped that on any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, you know, DV aside, just for the normal day-to-day relationships where I think these statistics are mainly kind of pointing to, um, I think you nailed it there is that COVID forced people into a situation where they either had to look inwards or outwards. Yeah. And it's easier to look outwards yeah. than it is to look inwards. And it comes back to the same thing we talk about every single podcast, owning your worth. Yep. 
And that doesn't just mean standing up and going, I expect treatment at this level. It's I expect to receive treatment at this level, but I also have to give treatment at this level as well if I want to be respected and acknowledged and seen by my friends and my peers and my family. And if I'm not doing my best in that space, then I need to look inwards as well and figure out why. And I think people are afraid. I think looking inwards is, A, that's a very big generalisation. I don't think everybody is afraid to look inwards, but I think looking inwards is daunting. And owning and being that honest with yourself is a really hard thing to do. I know because I've been there. I've had to do that many times. And it's not easy and it's not easy to own the truth about you. It's very liberating once you do it though. Yeah, because what the I think what people don't realise there, and I mean, there's been some stuff coming around. You know, Jocko Willink does a lot of talking about stuff like that, about individual responsibility and taking ownership of what you can, because that's the path to, I guess, enlightenment, isn't it? So, you know, because and and it's probably a bigger societal issue there as well is that we seem to have a lot of things going around where people don't want to take responsibility for their actions nor do they want to take responsibility for anything that is negative Mm -hmm. when we do that and we have a look at that well they don't want to be responsible for the relationship breaking up so i've just got a bitch wife or you know i've got a kind of a husband that doesn't understand anything or you know because then that way you know like you're saying yeah throw it out there look out look out don't look in um i do you know i've that article coming out and just talking here now has reminded me, I noticed on my Instagram feed, I just get flooded with all these positive reaffirmations and positive posts and positive and positive, like by people I don't know, I don't yeah. follow, it just gets forced into my feed, this positive, you know, have a great day and think positive and all the rest of it. And why isn't that then flooding with, hey, be honest with yourself, hmm. own some of your truth. It's not always everybody else's fault. Sometimes you're just an asshole. Where's that message? Well, because they're kind of lacklustre as a motivational speech. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not gentle in and, my and, approach to things. And We've so, well established you know, that. nobody gets out of bed and goes, it's new year, new me. I'm going to unfuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> they go, I'm going to be my best self. <laughs> What's that look like? I don't know, a little less like me. So you're going to unfuck yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to unfuck just myself. More of what I was doing before. That's you know? right. Just with, just with a sparkling new attitude. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. I'm going to say this is the right thing to do. I love everybody. Your fucking personality was probably getting in your way to begin with, cunt. So maybe this is not the answer. <laughs> Nobody does the till death do us part anymore. It's until you are less likely to be liked by your partner. Until I've got a better option. Yeah. <laughs> well, much. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we so as a society, we have made divorce far more accepting, mm-hmm. far more easier to approach. Um, and we don't, you know, like <laughs> before we started, you read out a part of that that said in the article, counsellors are sending out far more divorce kits than ever before. Like to me, you know, you're going to a counsellor and they've obviously got a ratio that goes, all right, you two are now beyond anything we can do for you, so here's your divorce kit on your merry way, go have separate lives and be happy. Yeah. That, that is a real thing though. Like, 
you, you cannot stay in a relationship where you are miserable mm. because that's not owning your worth either and that's not being honest with you or your partner. And respectfully, your partner should deserve better as well. If you're not yeah. happy, if you don't like them anymore, let them go and find someone else who might like them better and, and do yeah. better and all Absolutely. the rest of it. So there has to be this honesty that you have to be completely honest. A hump and a hurdle is fine. But at the end of the day, if there is no resolution, if you are not prepared to meet halfway and put in as much effort as the other person equally, then that's not a relationship you should be in anymore. Yeah, yeah. look, absolutely. I think that there's a point there where it's it tips over the edge into destructive relationships yeah. or, you know, um, I guess sociopathic style of relationships where you're mm. feeding kind of off only positive attributes and then you just – pretty much trying to chuck away all the negatives and stuff like that, which is not really how you're going to find any aspect of life. Like there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing in life that's fucking perfect. You're always going to have a little bit of something, you know, there that's not the way you want it to be. So, you know, if you cross over that point where the things that you don't like or the things you're not enjoying are the majority of that situation, yeah. then be the, do the kind thing and make that call. Cause that's actually probably, even though the person will be like, well, there's, whole fucking bunch of years that I've wasted and there's a big fucking future that I had planned in my head that's broken. It, it, the ideally in the in you know a couple of years down the track they'll recognize that decision that you made um as being the right one. Whether they thank you for it or not it's probably not gonna happen. But <laughs> you know, like at that point there, you know, because I don't I don't I don't know anybody and Grant, I don't get around in a lot of, you know, I guess, well-appointed circles. But I don't know anybody that goes, you know what I regret the most was divorcing that second wife. Yeah, if I go back and get that wife again, that would be, that was probably the best wife so far. <laughs> like, you know, that's so generally. Hey, I don't reckon there's people out there that actually re like go back and pick an old partner. and. Oh, every now and then I think somebody drifts back into their world and stuff yeah. like that or they recognise that there was just shit going on that they weren't ready for and and whatnot, but I think, yeah, I think largely like if you, well, yeah, I think 90% of people would be that if they got divorced, it was probably the right reason at the time because at least one party wasn't happy, which means that the relationship wasn't a relationship anymore, right? If they're really being, again, honest with themselves, yeah. they would have a look at the relationship and go, look, it's definitely not working and we didn't, we, we're not getting it together to sort it out and I guess as well too there's got to be some concessions made so at some stage there if you want a relationship to work you have to understand that it can't all entirely be your decisions and your way and your way of doing things right because it's two parties to that relationship or however many parties you have in your relationship yep. because I think that will go in the future will become more of a a thing is that we will have a Christ style of family system more so than what we do as at the moment where it's a, a nuclear family of mum, dad and kids. Now we'll start to see, especially as if going forward, you know, we're going to start to see economic issues and then we'll probably see birth rate issues as well, which we're starting to see with microplastics and things like that in the systems. Um, and so going down that pathway is it's quite possible that you would have, you know, four or five couples communally living together, sharing resources and having a child. And yeah, raised by yeah, a village, right? Raised and by that that's, people, We're, we're now know. in a full circle. We're in the full circle well, of humanity too. Yeah, it's kind of like having too many mums and dads. So. 
I read an article the other day about a couple who are in their late 50s. They've got adult children and they've been swinging for the last 20 years. Yeah. And love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And to look at them, like they had photos of this couple, they had photos of them in their home and all the rest of it, and there was you would not know them to walk past them in the street. And her argument was that if she had to stay plutonic in her marriage, she gets bored very quickly. And if she had to stay plutonic in her marriage, she probably wouldn't have made it. Yep. And the fact that she was able to be completely honest with her partner and, and you don't have to agree with what they're doing, you don't have to like what they're doing, mm. but she was able and comfortable enough to be 100% honest with her partner about where she was in it and where her headspace was in it, obviously a very long time ago, and he went, how do we fix this? And she said, well... I'd like to I would like the opportunity to have sex with other people, but this is only going to work if I know that you're not going to get emotionally attached to other people because I know I won't. Mm. I need to know that you're not going to get emotionally attached. And so they actually went through a trial period where they started to join the swingers club and he confirmed to her that he could do that as well without getting emotionally attached and for the last 20 years their relationship has soared because yeah they are both now finding that they can go and have sex in these clubs and all the rest of it and it scratches an itch and they go back and they live their day-to-day life and they love each other and they get along really well and they're best mates and all the rest of it. But her thing was the physical component. If I have to just be with the one person for the rest of my life, that's not going to work for me. Yeah, well, he's probably not getting the job done. <laughs> I just read the article. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> but again, you know, and I guess too, the a very apt statement, and, and it's very good that you brought this up because how do you reckon those cunts went during COVID? Yeah. Like, I've only got the same dude to fuck for six weeks or six months while I'm stuck in this house, babe. I, I, I don't think you. the swingers stopped swinging through COVID. Mm, it's yeah. a little bit. I don't know. That's a bit tough. I don't reckon they stopped the swinging through COVID. <laughs> yeah, you just. <laughs> Just started meeting at public toilets like everybody <laughs> well, else. they probably just went to each other's home. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because it's sort of like I can't help but wonder like, well, then why be married? Because they love everything about that comes with the marriage. Yeah, but like. Except that physical component where she yeah. just wanted to explore other avenues. So for her, and, and I kind of get it in the respect of that emotional connection. Yeah. So she is able to compartmentalise her physical attributes of what she's doing physically. Yeah. And so I can't. My whole fear of if if we got into a, a scenario of, hey, let's have sex with other people, it's not whether or not I can decompartmentalise. Yeah. I, I'm with her. My fear is if he gets attached to someone else or if he has sex with someone who's better than me. <laughs> No, I think think for me is it's just intellectualising the idea that like if you think about, like if we go back to the previous one of the episodes about commitment, part of that is the idea of forsaking all others. Like take all the religious elements out of it. Like take just if we just talk about like a legal commitment to someone else, what is the point of being married to them? Like you you say like (laughs) forsaking all others. You're not forsaking all others. There's a whole bunch of others in that house now. One element of, oh, yeah, of the yeah, relationship. Yeah. It's only on the physical side. It's not the financial or the emotional yeah. or anything else. It's just yeah. the physical. Yeah, she compartmentalised. Well, that kind of kind of brings it into the whole, whole. If we take it back to the on concept of marriage being an institution or whatever it's you know civil ceremony, civil yeah. you know 
strategic plan for how two people should cohabitate, whatever you want to call it. But the institution itself, you know, for these people, it seems very much like the institution's there Mm. and there's one patch that's just interchanged differently, but the rest of the institution and all the other hard lines and things like that are probably there. So, you know, I guess it comes down to if you have the communication correct and people are being honest, then that way there's probably not three people or more people in their marriage. There probably is still just two. It's just mm. every now and then they have some fun sex toys around. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, absolutely. That, and that's but what the humans would be. And how is that? Like, like there are so many couples, and again, I don't understand this either because I've not ever been in that situation, but I know so many couples who have the this is my money and this is what I earn yeah. and this is my account and this is my her you know her money and that's what she earns and that's her account and we know that our combined living expenses cost this much so we put into an account both of us 40% of our wages or 60% of our wages and then we get to keep the rest whereas from the day we moved in together we had a joint account and everything just was pulled so you know, for those couples that can do that and do that happily and comfortably, they're still compartmentalising, right? They're just doing it from a financial attribute yeah. as opposed to a physical attribute. Mm. Same, same with, you know, some couples choose to live separately. I know a lot yeah. of couples in the Defence Force that chose to live separately because her and the family didn't want to keep moving around and he did want to keep his career and they compartmentalised that this is going to be okay and we're going to make it work and... Or the rest of it. I guess it comes down to what you said, the the communication pathways. Are you being completely honest with your partner? And is your partner really listening to what it is you're actually trying to get across and trying to communicate and trying to have a conversation about with? But there's also the other side of the fence that says, if this is something really important to you and you've communicated this well enough to me to know that this is not personal, this is this is not you loving me any less, this is you having a need and needing me to be a part of that process to help support you, then there's that honesty factor. Yep. Can you achieve it together? And I suppose that's where you, your own boundaries lie. Yep. Like what if you have a discussion about deal breakers and you're like just absolutely not and then down the track that person's like, you know what I'd really like to do is that thing that you told me was a deal breaker. <laughs> They also probably should maybe reflect on the fact that they mightn't get that thing maybe. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And if it is a deal breaker, then, yeah, there has to be mm. that honest component. But same again, I think you, you can draw the line at the start of the relationship and say these are critical deal breakers for me. Mm. And then as the years go on and you change and you evolve and you mature or whatever happens, those deal breakers might change slightly too. Yes, so, which I was just going to ask you, getting married and having kids. If people set that as a, oh, it's not for me at the very beginning and change their mind? Depends. Yeah. It depends on the situation, right? So for me in that situation, how it views is that if you got everything you wanted because you said the right words and then now you're juxtapositioned on that, then you're probably trying to trap somebody. Whereas if you, you know, evolve as a human, you're like, oh, look, I know, but I'm still open to this or, you know, I'm coming around to the idea of that, then I go, okay, cool. But I reckon if if I see somebody go from, you know, oh, I want to get married and I never want to have any kids and I just want to travel a lot and then, you know, let's say 18 months after they're married, they're like, I need to have all the babies in my womb right now. And you're like, where did this come from? 
because it could be reversed. Just so we're really no, clear, I'm, like I'm it's not her you, just wanting I'm, babies in her womb. Maybe he just wants to put them in her womb. Well, maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe he wants to put them in as many wombs as he can. I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah, we're back to the swingers <laughs> again. <laughs> Too many degenerates out there. <laughs> but it's funny, right? Like posing yeah. all these particular things, yeah, and exactly. we're all going to put our own personal slant on what we're comfortable with because in some cases you might go oh yeah well I can I can move that goalpost yeah and then in other cases you just be looking at the other person going are you are you all right like (laughs) why are you asking me this See, I asked him years and years and years ago, would me cheating on you be a deal breaker for you? And his response to me back then was, it depends. It was not a hard and fast no or yes. It was, it would depend on what the cheat, what, you know, was it just a, a one night off the cuff, you got drunk and kissed a guy kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Then no, that's not a deal breaker for me. Whereas early in the piece for me, it was always yes. Like, absolutely. If you're going to cheat on me, fuck off because I deserve better. But the more I talked to him and the more I started to listen to his rationale, there is a difference between intent mm. and something that just randomly happened because you'd had too much to drink or you are being stupid or whatever and all the rest of it. And so in that regard, my hard and fast rules, I had to then go back and reset and reevaluate everything that I was drawing a line in the cement, not even the sand, right, because you can blow sand away, but in the cement. Is, is this really a hard and fast rule or can I find forgiveness because what he brings to the table is so much more? And so I think a lot of people don't have that willingness or that acceptance to move the line sometimes. Yep. Yeah. And, and if you want to stay in the relationship, I think you need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes you're going to have to. Yeah, again, it's making allowances sometimes. You've got to make concessions. It's part of a negotiation, right? It doesn't mean that you... We just, you know, smooth everything over and go, oh, we just ignore this funny thing over here and we don't talk about that. But then every now and then it hurts us dramatically. Um, and so, you know, I think that's part of it too, right, is that having that ability to be able to go, right, we've got that honesty, we've got that, we're up front and we, we understand that we make concessions and we're evolving and things like that. So, you know, I would always say that, where I'm at as a human or in my relationship with you is that there is some basic hard lines, but there's for the most part, like what's one of them? Well, one of them is that like, I, I think we should just treat each other with respect when we communicate in the house. (laughs) Like, I think that's a pretty good one for the most part. Like when I approach a situation, I don't have any, I try to have as few preconceived ideas or opinions about things especially relationship-wise because I think in this age, this stage of our relationship, I want to try and be as open to anything that might be fulfilling and nurturing to you. When would you say no? When I'm not open to it. (laughs) (laughs) Dickhead. Well, because – and so here's the thing, right? Because that's where I guess people aren't taking into consideration what it means to make concessions, okay, because – the thing that you enjoy or the thing that you like that I might not enjoy but would deny you of and deny us an opportunity of, then 
we might actually be hurting our relationship. So now my my approach to this is that so that we're nurturing the relationship and not hurting a relationship, if there's something you're bringing to the table that you're like, hey, what do you think about this? I'm going to be like, well, it never came up on my radar, but fuck, let's have a look at it. Because part of being fulfilled in a relationship is making sure the other person feels the same for me. And so if the other person's not feeling fulfilled because I've taken something off the table, then I'm hurting them, me, and our relationship. And so that's why these days I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't really feel like hitting the head of my dick with a hammer, but if you need to, we'll give it a go. But I knew somebody once who would opt to do, to do what their partner would want to do because they had a very people-pleasing um, way about them. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about it was that listening to the stories that I would be told, I, who have, I have really hard lines and the, the big ticket items are pretty immovable just at this stage in my life like I feel like I've you know been around it enough to be able to figure out what I do and don't want but this person in particular you could tell you know when someone is the words they're saying are yes yeah and their eyes are saying everything else you got no and <laughs> it's and like which I know becomes then a, a bit of a question and a and a, a discussion of consent but it's sort of like I wonder in the story that you told before like how are we ever really going to know apart from what people say whether the other party is actually saying yes to keep that person there because they're terrified for them to walk away and so then they make the concession. Yeah, yeah. They really want to keep that person there and they're, they're a people pleaser. How do we ever really know if it's what they want and they're happy to make that concession and they really want to be a part of it, it versus it, them? It might not be not. ever something that they ever want or wanted or, you know, and a really good example of that, we're married. Mm. But it's nothing he ever wanted. Mm. And I hear this a lot, especially in the female world. I don't want you to want it for me. I want you to want it for you. But I don't want it. But I want it. (laughs) And I want you to want it with me. Okay, well, we'll do it then. But you're only doing it for me. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to do it for me. I want you to do it for you. It's okay for them not to want to do it for themselves. It is okay for the person to want to do it for you. If they're forced into it because they're a people pleaser and they don't know how to say no, that's a different conversation and at that point your partner is not doing right by you. Your partner is not seeing that in you. So that's very different. Like he married me because I wanted to get married. He had no understanding of why I wanted it. He had no, if we had a a mortgage together, we were trying to have kids together, what the fuck, what's a piece of paper for marriage, right? Like it meant nothing to him. Why would you go to that expense, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted it. And there was nothing about why I wanted it that would ever make sense to him. But he did it anyway and it was beautiful and it it was the best wedding I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've had a few. So in that regard, I think there is a really fine line between somebody being prepared to just step up and do it for you 
as opposed to somebody trying to keep you or being afraid of losing you if they don't do it for you. And that's massive. And at that point, if he's doing it and and I'm putting him in a real awkward, uncomfortable situation but he's going to do it anyway just to appease me and I don't realise that, then I'm the asshole in that situation. I need to look in. I need to be a better partner at that point and realise the situation I'm putting my partner in and talk about that with them, acknowledge it and own it and go, hey, I really want to do this. It's something that I'm really passionate about but it's also something I see that you're prepared to do and it's making you uncomfortable. So can we talk about that and work through that first? And if I'm a really good partner, then I'm going to be at a situation where I'm prepared to say I will let it go for the sake of you. Nothing should ever be more important than my partner's level of comfort with me on the journey. Yeah. Yeah, well, how how else are you supposed to make them trust you to do the ridiculous, horrible shit you want to do to them if, you know, you don't give them that little option there? Still a dick. (laughs) But to your point, I absolutely do. I do see that. I've had plenty of associates that would their their big thing in life is to see how much, how far they can push their partner, whether it just being how, how I guess, degenerative sexual practices they can make them consent to, you know, or how much they can submit them to their thing. And I'm mm. just like, mm, this is kind of, this yeah, is, so this yeah, is I, just I don't, I, treating people as toys then. Yep. And, mm. and that's exactly right. I don't, I don't, at that point, that's abuse. Yeah, it is mm. abuse. For me, it that's just abuse. abuse. But, but it's really common, right? Like, the, I think that's the thing is that, like, we, I think we have a tendency to just draw a line and go, that's abuse, throw that out. But, like, it's actually a relationship dynamic thing yeah. that a lot of people are dealing with. And how do you, if someone is saying, yes, I will do that for you, for sure, yes, but there's a tear going down their face yeah. as they're saying yes, yeah. it's the responsibility of the other person, like you said, to yeah. step in and go, like, I'm feeling uncomfortable about this because I don't think you're telling me what you actually feel th- and communicate better. I think it's equally responsibility of both parties. If I'm saying yes to him and I'm crying, I've got no self-worth at that point. Everything about me is living for him and I'm not even seeing myself at this point. I'm just going to endure whatever it takes. You might as well be punching me in the face at that point. Mm. So if if the partner is just a yes person, a yes person and a people pleaser and going to be there and, and put themselves in the most horrific situations where they're uncomfortable, they're hurt, they're sad, they're whatever, then... I, this sounds cold, cold and horrible and all the rest of it, I don't care, that's on you. Look inwards and, and demand better for yourself. That partner that you are with that you're people pleasing and saying yes to everything to is not treating you right. Get out. Yeah. Or demand better. Step up and demand better. If, if that's what you're willing to treat, then you're allowing this to happen. So put your foot down. Yeah. No more. Yeah, well, and, you know, if even if you're not enough to motivate yourself to put that line in the sand, just take a second to think about the fact that a household's not necessarily a secular environment, right? So there's not just the two people who are in a relationship. Sometimes there's kids, sometimes there's parents, sometimes there's family members that live with you, whatever it is. But particularly for people who have children, like you're setting the standard for how, you know, in this particular case, let's say daughters, like, Every way, you know, 
everything I do with their mum, every the way I treat their mum, the way that we discuss things is the benchmark that you set for that behaviour. This is how relationships work now because this is how we've demonstrated to our children that they work well historically. Relationships work like, well, you shut up and I make money and then everybody's good, right? That's how it works? No? Okay, smack. Okay, does it work like that now? Yes. Okay, cool. So, you know, if I come back here and then all I'm worried about doing is seeing how much horrible sexual shit I can make you do on the internet or whatever, then that's the that's the behavior that I'm willing to tolerate for my daughters. Mm-hmm. And that's not acceptable to me. <laughs> no, and shouldn't yeah. be acceptable to anybody. I no. think, look, if you're at the point where you have a tear rolling down your face and you're enduring for the sake of another and you're not being honest with them and telling them that this is beyond your capacity, then there has to be some self-worth. There has to be some self-internal, you know, self-conversations and all the rest of it. Why can't you be honest with your partner? Why can't you talk to your partner about this? What is it either about your partner, you or your relationship that is – forcing you into a situation where you have a tear coming down your face and you're enduring something that you don't have the capacity to endure. So there's, there is bigger questions there. It's not just, you know, why is my partner making me do this horrible sexual thing? It's why can't I tell my partner no? Why can't I talk to my partner? What is it about my partner, me and or our relationship that is preventing me from doing that and fix that? Concentrate on that. Forget the issue at hand that's making yep. you cry. There is a bigger question here about your relationship and you need to start addressing that. We went through that. Yep. You know, we, we had that critical pivotal moment in Atlanta where it's like... I had to, you know, draw that line in the sand. I had to look at me and go, why do I keep coming back here? Why is it acceptable? Why am I allowing this? Mm. Why don't I ask for better for me? Yep. And it wasn't until I realised that, that, you know, that doesn't stop the black dog for you. It doesn't stop no. the moments for you. It doesn't stop the hell that we go through for you. What it does is allow us now to have a more open communication yep. and say, you know, on our good days, hey, when this happens, this is how it's making me feel and I don't know how to respond appropriately. But it also put us in a situation now where, you know, last night was a perfect example. I said to Matt, you know, when you do this, it makes me feel like that and then I'll shut down and and I know that's historical. I know that that's what you used to do but I still have this residual, don't say anything because he'll react and then he'll get the shits and it'll all go bad and blah. But I had to push through that fear. I had to go, we're at a better place now and I can say something. And his immediate response to me last night was, thank you for telling me that because now I can change it and now I can, you know. So you've got to own your self-worth. You've got to be prepared to get yourself to the point where you go, now I'm communicating better. Now I know and I understand that I can say these things and I'm entrusting you to take care of my words and hold them lightly and respond accordingly that's a huge thing and it took a really long time for us to get that so i'm hoping that maybe people listening will fast track and get there a bit quicker yeah hopefully hopefully because i think you know if you don't have that ability to be able to really be honest with yourself and then address it in Mm -hmm. in 
any way, shape or form with the other person, then you probably realistically need help. Like you need a, you need some psychological therapy yourself, but also too, you're probably in a situation where you don't feel safe enough to get out either. And so therefore, and that's another thing together. You know, I think anytime you're reluctantly accepting behavior that's, that's devastating or painful or dangerous or whatever, destructive, Mm -hmm. then you might need some help just to get that reset. And you know what, like for people listening, if, if you have a friend that you're concerned about on any level, yeah, you might run the risk of losing that friendship if you bring it to a head or you question it or you, you know, <clears throat> maybe get some pamphlets for the person or something, but do it anyway. Yeah. Because that person is life. worth it. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Go out of your way to be a true friend. Don't be just, you know, a fair weather friend. Yeah, that's and that's probably a really nice place to sort of bring it all back to because, you know, last month we had a spate of like just dudes killing their misses, like yep. just randomly beating the shit out of them till they're dead. And I'm like, yep. what the fuck? But clearly this is the sort of thing. It's it's relationships not built on trust and love and nurturing. It's relationship built on, I guess, a perceived idea of what it should be. And then it's people not being either honest enough to be able to discuss things properly and then now they wind up dead yeah. or they have bad choices because, you know, they pick dudes that have, you know, steroid abuse issues and lots of money and then they wonder why that doesn't work out well because people who have a lot of money and have steroid abusers are probably also caught up in some other shit and they're probably not doing their best humaning. So <sighs> if you get, you know, the raw end of the stick on that one, it's kind of a fulfilling pro- prophecy there. But if you have kids in that sense too, then all of a sudden now you've just dumped some other human into this mess. We say it all the time, looking inwards is hard work. And and there's no, you, you can't put lipstick on this pig and call it anything other than, it's, it's a hard work. It's a hard, yep. hard path to do. There are so many partners out there that I talk to on quite a regular basis and they go through a very similar journey, some a lot worse than what you and I go through all the time and the black dog is a third party in that relationship. And sometimes in there I will often say, is it the black dog or is it your partner holding the black dog as a crutch? Yep. That's a different journey. If your partner's holding the black dog as a crutch, then that person is never going to get out of his own way to make or her way to make the situation better for anyone. And so you deserve better at that point. Yep. If, you know, if, if your partner is open and responsive and talking to you and you can see effort, genuine, genuine self-worth effort through that process, then, and you still love that person and that person still makes you laugh and you still think the relationship is worth the fight, then hang in there because the black dog is not their fault. Well, and it's it's the idea too that everything could be fixed straight away, right? So I I put the premise there that right at that point there where you have a stage where you can be frank and honest with your partner and it's still not working like in these particular situations and it's still really tough, mm-hmm. then at that point you've probably still got a couple of years worth of work before you'll be back onto a smooth sort of road. Yeah. For the people that haven't even got to that point there, like it's already fucked. 
your, your ship's already fucked. Like, it's sinking. Just get the fuck out, like, at that point because it's not going to change. Yeah, that it, and that's a, it's a really hard decision to make at that point. There is so much guilt that travels with that. Yeah. Like, could you imagine, you know, again, back in our early days when you were going through it and it was daily and it was horrible and all the rest of it, if I had have walked and you killed yourself... I don't come back from that. That yeah. That is just way too much guilt. So you, you can't just say, you know, get out. Your, your ship's sunk and seem like that because they're dealing with guilt. That they, yeah. it's, it's yes, get out. I agree with you 100%. Yes, get out. But please, when you do get out, make sure you have the right network around you to support you because you're going to go through Dancing with Sarah. You are going to have a guilt factor in there and a hurt factor in there and an angry factor in there. And the partner that you've left that just won't get out of their own way is also going to be really angry and there's going to be repercussions. And this is not a simple thing to just walk away from. So, yes, I agree. Get out, but please make sure you get the right help to help you through that process. And there is a lot of help out there that you can reach out to. So do it. podcast is hosted by Matt and Kaz Page and executive produced by Charlotte Goodwin. For more information, visit loveconquersthepodcast.com. We'll link the article we've been talking about this episode in the episode description. If you're wondering what Dancing with Sarah is all about, go listen to episode seven. If you'd like to hear more of Matt and Kaz's story, buy the book, my Broken Soldier, The Untold Story of Life Beyond the Front Line. Go to the website, loveconquersthepodcast.com and hit the button at the top that says buy the book. Love Conquers is a podcast for adults that deals with confronting themes of all kinds. Love Conquers is not a licensed mental health service and is not a substitute for professional mental health advice, treatment or assessment. If you are struggling, don't go it alone. Please see a healthcare professional. If you live in Australia, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or go to lifeline.org.au. If you live outside of Australia, please search for your local crisis line and find support.